So as we relate with the Spirit of God, as we commune with the Spirit of God, through that communion, we also receive all the blessings of the triangle. The Spirit of God communicates the blessings of the triangle to us. And of course, remember, you've seen it. The blessings of the triangle, the source is the Father. The source is the Father's love. The transmission is the grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus. And the distribution into us is the Spirit of God. The seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. The Father's selection and predestination. Speaking of God's eternal purpose. The Son's redemption speaks of the, the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose. The Spirit's sealing and pledging speaks of the application of God's eternal purpose in us so that God's eternal purpose, and we saw it, God's eternal purpose, the reason why he made man in his image and after his likeness, so that man can contain him. And so that he said that man can be brought into the Godhead. So this is God's eternal purpose. This is God's eternal purpose. Amen. And this is, so this, so the Father's selection and predestination, the Father selecting us and predestinating us was to show us or bring us or fulfill his eternal purpose. Hallelujah. Back to Ephesians 1. Let's look at Ephesians 1 verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. It says that in whom we have redemption through his blood. Let's get to verse 6. Please go back to verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he had made us accepted in the beloved. You know, when he says, wherein he had made us accepted in the beloved, the word beloved, someone say beloved. Beloved. May you be accepted in the beloved. Okay, now let me, I'll not answer this question, but I'll ask you. I'll not answer. I'll, he says that when he had made us accepted in the beloved, next verse, in whom we have redemption through his son. So in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Go back to the previous verse. When he had made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood. So what is the beloved? What is the beloved? <laughs> what's the beloved so the beloved get back to the the beloved is Jesus Christ when he had made us accepted in the beloved look at the scriptures at the baptism of Jesus this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased hear him the same thing that was said at the baptism of Jesus it was also said on the mount of transfiguration isn't it? On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Elijah and, Elijah and Moses appeared, you know, Jesus and the voice came from the heavenly glory and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm working. So, Jesus is the beloved. Jesus is the beloved. And you can, the reason I read the next verse, you should have seen, see, it says, accepted in the beloved, next verse, in whom, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Is In the beloved, we have redemption through his blood. Whose blood was shed? It was not the Father. It was not the Spirit. It was the Son, Jesus Christ, that shed his blood. So in the Beloved, we have redemption through the, the blood of the Beloved. 
Hallelujah. All right, so Ephesians 1 verse 7 to 12. Ephesians 1 verse 7 to 12. I, I told you that Ephesians 1 verse 3 to 6 speaks about, shows us what? The Father's selection and predestination, which unveils to us God's eternal purpose. Ephesians 1 verse 7 to 12 shows us the Son's redemption. The Son's redemption. The son's redemption. That's why it says that word. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Next verse. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. All right. Now, the son's redemption. I've spoken about the father's selection and predestination. Now, I'm saying that Ephesians 1 verse 7 to 12 is showing us the son's redemption. The son's redemption. And what is the purpose of the son's redemption? What is the purpose of the son's redemption? In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. What is the purpose of the son's redemption? The purpose of the son's redemption was the, or is the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose. The purpose, or the re- the purpose of the son's redemption, is the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose. God had a purpose. God had a plan. Who accomplished that plan? It was a son. God had a purpose. God had a plan. God had, it was God who accomplished God's eternal purpose. It was a son, Jesus Christ. It was a son, Jesus Christ. And that is why in Isaiah said that, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? It was prophetic of Jesus. And the voice came saying, Here I am, send me. So God was looking for somebody to fulfill, to accomplish redemption. Amen. Amen. God, he said, said, whom shall I send? You know, like I told you, the counsel of the Godhead, they are equal. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they are equal in essence. They are equal in nature. So the Father couldn't impose it on the Son. That, hey, Son, go. No. The son willingly, voluntarily decided, opted, chose to fulfill the father's selection and predestination. You see, in the Godhead, eh, there is a certain kind of love and submission in the Godhead. In the Godhead, eh, there's a kind of submission. They submit, even though they they submit to each other. There's There's a kind of unity in the Godhead kind of submission that the son, he's equal to the father by has submitted. Look at it. Look at, let's look at Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Maybe King James sometimes sounds some way, but give me NLT. <laughs> 
Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. The son, he is God, yet still, he didn't think of that. He didn't decide to exercise his rights as, Charlie, I'm God. Um, so when we come for the meeting, so who will go, who will go for us? Who, um, I'm also God. Uh, Father, I'm also God. I don't need to go. You can't order me to go. Uh, no. I'm not going to. I'm not going <laughs> You too, you can go. <laughs> that, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to grab, to cling to. He could have, give me a message. He could have grabbed on it. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status, no matter what. This is submission. This is submission. But look at the next verse. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made the likeness of men. And and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This speaks about the sevenfold humiliation of Jesus or the sevenfold humbling of Jesus. When you read it, you read Jesus humbled himself in seven aspects. And the final one was what? The death of the cross. That was it. At that time, the crucifixion was a Roman, was a Roman, you know, it was a Roman invention. And that was the highest form of humiliation. For somebody to be crucified, it was the highest form of humiliation. And Jesus humbled himself, though he was God. He humbled himself. He came down, became a man, became servant, came down Ghana, right to the lowest form of humiliation, to be crucified on the cross for you and for I. To accomplish, for you and for me, to accomplish the Father's selection and predestination. He humbled himself. I'm maybe enjoying the message. <laughs> I like the way you are quiet. <laughs> so I'm saying that the son's redemption, the son's redemption is the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose. So that God's eternal purpose, his sel- the father's selection and predestination. Remember when we saw the verse, Ephesians 1 verse 5, it said that he planned it. This is what he planned, and it gave him good pleasure in planning. But after he had planned it, somebody, it had to be executed, just like how Michael, after Michael has planned, you know, what he has to do, it has to be executed. Now, look at it. It gave him great pleasure in planning it. And I'm saying that after he had planned it, it was not enough to have planned it. It had to have been accomplished. And it was Jesus Christ that accomplished it. Jesus Christ that accomplished the plan. Jesus Christ that accomplished the eternal purpose. Let's get to Revelation chapter 5. I want to show you something. Revelation chapter 5. That's why you must appreciate Jesus. Isn't it? It's Jesus who accomplished it. Look at it. Revelation 5. Jesus. It was Jesus that became man. It was the son. Look, in the beginning was the word. The word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Do you get? In the beginning was the word. That in the beginning, eh, in the beginning, you know, Genesis one verse one. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And I told you that that in the beginning, eh, 
is eternity past, before the angelic age, before the angels were created. And John 1 verse, John 1, verse 1, quickly go to John 1 verse 1. He said that in the beginning, that's in eternity past, before the angelic era, the angelic disposition, before any angel had ever been created, in the beginning, there was the word. And the word was with God. So there was the word, there was God. He said that, and the word was God. I'm saying that the word is Jesus. In the beginning, in the ages past, before the angelic era, in the beginning, the word existed. It was there. And that word that was there, it was with God. It was by God's side. And it was God. That word that was with God was also God. It's a mystery. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a mystery of the Godhead. Hallelujah. And then John 1 verse 14. And the word that was in the beginning, that was with God, and that was with that was God. That word that existed in the beginning, which is the Son of God, that word Bible says, became flesh, was made flesh, and that word dwelt among us. John is writing and he's talking. That word dwelt, that word dwelt among us. And that word was moving amongst us. You know, so Jesus, when he was on the earth and he was with the disciples, Jesus, when he was a carpenter's son, Jesus, when he was moving around, when he was walking by the, by, by, he was walking in um, Caesarea, when he was walking in, in Galilee, when he was moving around, that person, Jesus, that was moving around, that people were seeing him and all that thing. He, that person that they were seeing him, he existed in eternity past. In eternity past, he existed as the word that was with God, that was God. And he had now become flesh. And he was walking around. Sometimes he was hungry. Sometimes when he was doing his carpentry work, the hammer hit his hand. <laughs> you get me? He ate. Didn't he eat? No, I'm just saying it. I, I just use those illustrations so that you, you appreciate his humanity. You, you get me? You appreciate his humanity. So that, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory. So that, and we beheld his glory. Because John, John and the disciples, they knew that this man is not an ordinary man. That's what they say. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. At that time, uh, when at that time when he came on the earth, he was the only begotten of the Father. But that's why later we saw that well, he's the first begotten of the Father. We behold his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word was born. It's a mystery. The word. That was God. That was in God. Give birth. <laughs> Hallelujah. So back to Revelation 5. I'm saying that. So why did, why did Jesus or the Son have to come to the earth to accomplish eternal redemption? To accomplish redemption, to, to, to accomplish eternal redemption for man, which is the fulfillment or the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose. Revelation 5 verse 1. Look at it. It says that. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Who was the one sitting on the throne? The father. 
A book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. Next verse. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. This was a scene in heaven. This was a scene in heaven. Proclaiming with a loud voice. Who is ready to open the book and to lose the seals thereof? This is a scene in heaven. Actually, before the foundations. I saw a strong angel proclaim with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof? Next verse. And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. (laughs) What is that book? I saw him, I saw him that sat upon the throne and in his right hand there was a book, having seven seals. And I heard a loud angel with a loud voice proclaim, who is, far, who is worthy to open the book, to take the book from him that sits upon the throne and to open the seals thereof? And he said that what? And no man in heaven. This was John. John was looking. So there was a scene in heaven. This was in heaven. John was there. John was caught up in heaven. And then he saw the throne. He saw the book in the hand of the throne, the one that sits on the throne. Then he heard the angel with a loud voice proclaiming, who is ready to open the book? You know, take the book, open it, and seals thereof. And John was John was looking to find who will be worthy. Amen. John was looking to find out who will be worthy. And he was looking, and he kept on looking or waiting for the worthy person to come. But nobody was coming. No man in heaven. Nobody was. And the reason why redemption. He said, he said, and no man in heaven. To the person who was qualified to take the book from him that sat upon the throne and to lose the seals thereof had to be a man. It had to be somebody created in the image and likeness of the triune God. And angel, angels were there all right, but they couldn't. The four living creatures were there all right. But they couldn't. The cherubim and seraphim were there all right. But they were not qualified to. It had to be a man. It had to be a man. That's what I'm telling you. Listen, among all of God's creation, man is the most supreme. Because among all, we thank God for the angels. They excel in strength. and We thank God for the angels. But the angels, are not, they, were not, they are not like man. The angels are not like man. The angels are not created in the image and likeness of God. It's only man that is created in the image and likeness of God. And that is why for God, for redemption to be accomplished, God had to become man. Amen. And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. So, a roll call was done. I maybe I watched them. Um, was it? Uh, was it? Kinatha. No wonder he had to move the sword. You, you realize that a lot of people will come to try, to try and see whether they can remove the sword, isn't it? Yeah. And nobody could remove the sword but the son of the king. You see, all these things that they are in a way, they are just trying to depict the story of God. 
So nobody could remove the sword. But the son of the original king, isn't it? That's the same way how, so it's like there was, you know when working, there's a, there was a long queue. A lot of people would try and attempt. That's what was happening over here. That different people all through the ages, all men throughout all the ages, nobody was found worthy to take the book. And when it happened like that, and I was saying, John was caught up and he was seeing what was happening. And when it happened, when nobody was found worthy, look at the next verse. He said, and I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. I wept much. I wept much. Because John knew the implications. If nobody, what was that book? <laughs> what was that book? So I say, what was that book? Uh, <laughs> what was that book with the seven seals? <laughs> with the seven seals. Listen, that book, that book, repre- what that, that book represented, that book represented the accomplishment of redemption. It, whoever could open that book and break the seals, that person would have obtained eternal redemption for humanity. So when John saw that, the reason why John, he said, I wept mad, the reason why John wept mad was because because nobody was found worthy, what it meant was that what it meant was that man would have forever been lost. And God's eternal purpose would not have been accomplished. Because when you look in the Old Testament, all the sacrifices that they did, it was just a covering of their sins. Hallelujah. It was just a covenant. So the book there, the book there signifies, actually when I was just talking about it, and God showed me a higher, a higher meaning of that book. The book there signifies God's eternal purpose. Amen. The book there signifies God's eternal purpose. And it was only, nobody could fulfill or accomplish God's eternal purpose. That is why God, actually, the Spirit of God just corrected me right now. That it's, it's redemption. Like, the book refers to God's eternal purpose. But God's eternal purpose eh, has as its subset redemption. But redemption is not just God's eternal purpose. Hallelujah. And let, let me break it down further. Like I'm saying, you know, I just changed, the Lord just showed me something right now. That I've, I've mentioned before that the death of Jesus, of course, we know that the death of Jesus is what brought about redemption because when he died, he shed his blood. That's what brought about his death. But we must understand that Jesus' death <laughs> the reason why the Lord corrected me right now was because the way I was saying it 
the way I was saying it, it was as if like uh, Satan, God's purpose, you know, I, what I mentioned right now is like, you know, God's, it was as if God's purpose, because of man's sin, as if God's purpose had been, uh, had been destroyed by sin. And so Jesus had to come and die to kind of undo what Satan, Satan had done by making man fall. But that, that is not it. Because you must understand that the death of Jesus was, was not just a plan B. Hallelujah. Are, are you with me? How many of you are following me? The death of Jesus, I'm saying that was not a plan B. In a sense that it's not like, oh, so God created man and then God had a purpose and then Satan came in, Satan made, made man sin. So now when Satan made man sin, oh, hey, hey, the God had, had a quick meeting that, wow, the way the thing has happened, we have to do something to remedy the situation. It's like, okay, Charlie, then Jesus, you have to go and die and then and Jesus comes to die, you know, so then that, then that is it. No. Actually, actually, if man hadn't sinned, God would have still have had to die. So, God dying, God in the person of Jesus dying, was actually part of God's purpose. So, it, it fulfilled two things. It undid what God, what, it undid the fall. Jesus dying undid the fall. And then, it, in addition to undoing the fall, it also fulfilled that original reason or purpose which would have eventually have caused God to die. So Satan, Satan does not know, but he was actually used as part of God's plan. You remember, we are told uh, about Pharaoh uh, in, the, in the, Google, uh, the, the Bible that God, Pharaoh actually was created, so Pharaoh was actually used to fulfill God's purpose. So Pharaoh, when he was not letting the children of Israel go in, he may have thought that he's delaying or outsiders or onlookers or people who are reading the Bible or the account may have thought that, oh, it was a competition between God and Pharaoh. That, hey, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, I won't let them go. Then God will do one miracle. Let my people go. Hey, I won't let them go. Then God will do another miracle. So it's like, pa, 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 God, and, God and Pharaoh are fighting. Let my people go. Me mamun call. Mamun call. Me mamun call. No, 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 no. <laughs> God is, God is way above that. Pharaoh was actually being used, even though it looked like a contest, Pharaoh was actually being used to fulfill God's purpose. And Pharaoh was created to be stubborn. God created Pharaoh to be stubborn. Hallelujah. So that is, so in like manner also, God created Satan actually as part of Satan's, as part of the fulfillment of his purpose. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, and I wept much because no man was found where to open the book and to, to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Next verse. And you know, as John was weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping, there was that, and one of the elders touched him. One of the elders touched him and said unto him, you know, he was weeping. He said, I wept much. He was wailing. And one of the others charged and said, Weep not. Tell Venet to weep not. Weep 
He said, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, had prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals thereof. Next verse. He said, and I beheld. So, you know, John was weeping. weeping. <laughs> then the, the, the elder, one of the elders touched him. He said, weep not. <laughs> weep not, for behold, the love of the child Judah had prevailed. So when John stood up, and you know, he cleaned the tears from his eyes, and he opened his eyes well, and he was looking. He said, and I beheld, and lo, so it's like, I looked and beheld. Uh, <laughs> I looked and beheld and lo, I looked and beheld and saw. <laughs> I looked and beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. You see, the Bible said that what? The, angel, the, the elder said unto him, Weep not, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah had prevailed. The lion. But when he looked, he didn't see a lion. He saw a lamb. He saw a lamb. As it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Can you, can you see the divine trinity here? Can you see the Godhead? The Father is on the throne. The Lamb, that the Son of God, qualifies to take the book. And then the Lamb, the eyes of the Lamb, are the seven spirits of God. Of course, we know that the meaning of the seven is perfection. It speaks of the sevenfold intensified spirits of God. It said that, sent forth into all the earth. They are the sevenfold spirit of God sent forth into the earth, you know, for the, for the, should I, say, should I continue? Sent forth into all the earth. I'll say this and I'll bring us back to Ephesians 1. Hallelujah. Which are the senses of God sent forth into all the earth. Sent forth into all the earth. Redemption, as we can see from this place, the Lamb has fulfilled it. He has been slain. Look at so as it has been slain, he has been slain. So since he has been slain, in other words, now he's qualified to take the book. So the God's eternal purpose. I said the book refers to God's eternal purpose. So over here. The lamb, having been slain, he has fulfilled God's eternal purpose. Amen. Redemption. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1 verse 3. I told that redemption, that first of all, we have Ephesians 1 verse 3. It shows us the Father's selection and predestination. We show God's eternal purpose. Then Ephesians 1 verse 7 to 12 shows us the Son's redemption, which is the accomplishment of God's eternal purpose, which we see over here that the father, the book that was in his hand was his eternal purpose the plan his eternal you can refer, you can refer to it as his eternal economy 
his eternal administration, his eternal household plan, household administrative management plan. That was the book. 